Architecture doesn't exist in a vacuum and neither should you. Whether it's a design critique or understanding how design connects to a larger world, gaining insight is invaluable for architecture students. Well, actually, all students in general. In these interview sessions, guests from professors to professionals and everyone in between will share their experiences and thoughts on design and the built environment. Today we have a very great guest. Uh, we have Terry Sin from Normally Architectural Graphics and Terry, you are the basically the studio manager from what I, I, I think that's the official uh, managing title. Director is managing the director title that I made up for myself, I think. Yeah. All right. So just <laughs> let, let me let, like you, you let me let me do the proper intro first, then you can do like the legit one from you. Okay. But sure. uh, believe it or not, Terry uh, is now managing director or whatever super title he's got now. Um, and I've taught now, I believe, I think of all the people I've taught, I think I've taught your family the most. I've taught your older brother, I've taught you, and I've also taught your cousin. Don't forget your cousin, right? So yeah. I, I, it's a family affair. Uh, and, and one day I will get your brother online, um, but uh, I'm not sure if you remember this. There was one year, actually it was in first year, you would probably send the high school. And um, your brother, I helped out your brother with something when he was in first year or first year studio. Yeah. And for some reason, I, he gave me a gift. And did, did, do you know what he gave me? No, I'm not sure. No. He, he gave me clothes because apparently uh, this guy over here doesn't have a sense of fashion. So just out of pity, um, I helped him out with studio and getting his life together in first year architecture. And your brother decided to get me clothes because it's like, yo, man, get a mirror. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> I've been teaching this family for a while now, and I'm really glad to see uh, your family, uh, all three of you guys, uh, you know, really succeed in the architectural industry. But you've taken a different route, Terry. So care to introduce yourself and what you actually do? Um, so first of all, um, I'd say thank you for uh, continuing to be immortal and teaching the future generations. Uh, maybe you'll, you'll catch my niece and nephew in the future. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, I thought you loved your niece and nephew. You don't let them become architects, man. <laughs> this, this is true. This is true. Um, so yeah, I'm, um, I'm managing director at uh, Normally. We're one of the largest architectural visualization firms. So um, architectural visualization, to put it simply, is just a uh, rendering of architecture, uh, making pretty pictures of architecture. Um, using, uh, specifically for us, uh, using 3D uh, to do it in, in kind of photorealistic ways. Uh, you know, the old school way of doing it would be watercolors and, and, and hand sketching and stuff uh, where we're in the 3D world of doing it. Um, and yeah, so I, I graduated from uh, Waterloo with a bachelor's and a master's. And uh, yes, yes, I, yes. Uh, so while I was, I was doing co-ops, I kind of, for some reason, I always ended up doing renderings and it wasn't like the whole entire thing where, you know, give the, the crappy job to the co-op, it seemed to be like, I would be attracted to it. Uh, I was lucky in, uh, when I was working at HLW in New York that like this guy was like, do you want to learn how to render using, you know, Max and, and V-Ray? And I was like, sure. I mean, let's, let's try it out. I mean, originally the first exposure was, was you and, and form Z. Oh, jeez, uh, man. Which I, I think will scar any human uh, being. Try um, teaching it, man. Try teaching it. <laughs> Uh, don't talk about the empire like that <laughs> before the dark times before the empire. Okay, go, 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 go. Um, so yeah. And then, and I learned that. And then, so kind of every subsequent co-op term and while I was in school, I just kept on kind of learning and practicing on my own. Like I started off with SketchUp and V-Ray and I just kept on learning. And then eventually, you know, I finished masters. I was going to keep on going with, uh, architecture. 
but you know in the back of my mind I just kind of felt like it wasn't for me um I think I have a short attention span and so like two two to five year projects weren't like doing it for me I went through the OAA uh admissions course and then like right after that I was kind of like I don't I don't I'm not feeling this um Mm -hmm. and luckily uh Norm who also happens to be kind of a family friend (laughs) to all of us um uh was having a party and uh and then we just kind of connected and from that point on i i just went full on into rendering you know it's funny i find that a lot of things involving networking with norm is like yeah it it involves a party of some sort (laughs) yeah yeah or food or like a barbecue of some sort i I don't know yeah i don't think that's changed (laughs) okay actually you know what let's talk about though you know I, i know that you really in tongue-in-cheek said that, oh, I just make pretty pictures. But I think that there's a lot of uh, control, dexterity, patience. And I would say it's built upon a lot of the stuff that you picked up in your architectural education. Let's drill down to this. You know, we we spend a lot of time doing studio, for example, right? And and in in a lot of architecture programs, and, and I think that you would attest to this, there is a very big preoccupation with focusing on studio, but really not talking about the tools that are mm-hmm. instrumental in dispensing with and, and, and presenting architecture. So, sure. I mean, one criticism is, of course, that in schools we should be teaching more of that because if, mm-hmm. if our job is fundamentally to be communicators of architectural ideas, we should actually have a greater dexterity with that. But I mean, what would you say is one of the biggest criticisms of current architectural education with respect to that tool? Um, you know, I've, I've been actually going to quite a few schools. This is actually kind of like part of my, my role as well is to kind of, um, find the next generation, if you will, of Mm -hmm. renderers, because it it really, uh, especially in Canada, um, there is no, I, I can bluntly say that there is no architectural rendering education in Canada. There are schools in Italy, there's schools in, uh, Sweden, uh, schools in Australia, like specifically mm-hmm. for rendering uh, archvis, um, and I, I, I frankly am not too sure why that is the case. Uh, I find that in schools, especially in Canada, they do focus on kind of the theoretical side of things mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit, and uh, at the same time, I also understand why because you know uh, each one of these things is kind of like a niche. Uh, on its own and to try to teach all of it isn't mm-hmm. really necessary because you know there's some people who just want to go into building construction mm-hmm. and they don't need to learn rendering I'm never a person who's just like everybody needs to learn rendering but uh, it would be great for the people who actually are interested in it to have the opportunity to to learn it um, okay but, and but, but, I guess but, the other side of it too uh, in pure logistics I'm uh, the software and the hardware is is a huge is- issue for for educators, I think. Well, that, that brings me to the other question. You talked about uh, that you didn't have the patience for it, but let's be honest here. There is a lot of patience required. I'm not talking about just sitting there watching a rendering churn out. Like, I mean, you get the best hardware and just like, you know, get that visualization up and running live. But yeah. the, the problem is that there's a lot of patience required in setting up the views and, and really negotiating with different stakeholders saying like, is this what you want to have? And, and you at your own, as a studio overseer, you know, there's a certain aesthetic, there's a certain quality of imagery mm-hmm. that you want to present. Um, how, how do you how do you deal with that kind of level of patience? Um, when it comes down to it, it I, I know it sounds cheesy, but it's it's passion. It's like if if this is, you know, this is something that, uh, and I can speak for for our company in general is that we're passionate about what we do. So all of those other things are just kind of 
uh, kind of steps on the way to making a really great image. Um, and they're kind of necessary for that to happen. Um, one of our kind of things in our, in our kind of, um, in our motto is, is kind of mutually beneficial relationships. So it's, it's not about us trying to, if, if we were just going to do whatever we wanted because we thought it's the best thing to do, then the other side of the, the, the equation wouldn't be happy. Um, and so we have to, it is about that balance because, you know, we can on our spare time, just make renderings of what we want um, and kind of experiment and do R and D. Uh, but when it comes down to being a business and being basically a service, you have to be patient about those things. And in the end, if we do it right, and most of the time I think that we do, you still come up with a great image. And also then two parties are happy. So I think that's where, you know, of course there's moments where we're just kind of like ripping our hair out, um, you know, kind of dealing with the back and forth and missing files and all these type of things. But in the end, it's about getting that really cool image in the end. And so, that kind of overrides everything else in the end. Okay, but then let me let me go to the nuts, you know, nuts and bolts of this. So mm -hmm. we get the image out, okay, and I think that you know you can send a lot of imagery to get done, let's say in China. And I'm not saying just because we got two Chinese guys on the on the line here. I'm just <laughs> saying that like we know that for pennies on the dollar, you can get some stuff in China. You can get the John Woo kind of photo of the uh, birds flying in the background, and, and you know the nondescript like. Lot, it's, it's a project in Saudi Arabia, but everyone's wearing like shorts and they're all Caucasian or something, right? Yeah. So you get that kind of yeah. stuff that comes out from, from there. But mm -hmm. how do you, as, again, as a designer, not, not as an architect, but as a designer, mm -hmm. but with an architectural background, how do you make sure that your imagery does have a certain style? Because I, I think a lot of people just go, well, we can send that. I mean, I'm talking to, about guys in the industry. Mm -hmm. to say, oh, well, we're going to send that to China instead of, say, keeping it local. I'm not trying to push for like a pro-Canadian marketplace here, but I just want to make right. sure I understand what, what do you guys do to make sure that your imagery has a distinctive feel, look, or, or uniqueness? Um, there's kind of two parts to that. Um, if, if we're talking about purely artistically, mm -hmm. um, it's about storytelling and narrative in the images. Um, and, you know, it's something that I've also... Uh, during my talks with your students as well, um, really pushed across. Like it doesn't, when it comes down to it, um, you know, you can use any software you want. You can be really great at making a super realistic render, but if there's no story and no kind of soul or narrative to it, mm -hmm. then there's nothing there. Like okay. you might as well just have a plan, like who okay. cares? Um, so it's really about figuring out like, who is this for, you know, when is this? Where is this? Like, what is this story? Why are we even doing this? Like, it's the five W's basically on it. And, and understanding like what the end goal is and then rendering that. The kind of more uh, business side of it is process, um, you know, and communication, I would say. Like, if you're going to send it over to to China or India or, or, or the Ukraine or, or wherever. Um, it is about like with rendering, there's so much back and forth that needs to happen because it is subjective, but mm -hmm. it's still objective in some ways as well. And without a strong process and without strong communication, that image is just going to go, go horribly wrong. <laughs> okay. 
so, so those are what I would say were, would be like kind of two big pillars in terms of just like the overall kind of look of it. Okay, so I'm going to take that a little bit further then. If process and narrative are the two cores that you're talking about, and process, and, and I'm looking at now a studio. Um, we find that a lot of students are listening to this podcast right now while they're finishing off or executing their final renderings right now. So obviously process is kind of unilateral. They're all doing it for themselves. They're doing it on their own, right? But mm -hmm. let's talk about that narrative. Um, I think that it's important to keep in mind that there are lots of lessons to be learned and, and we're standing at the feet of a sage person who's been doing this for decades now. Um, so uh, tell us, Terry. Well, not really, but sure. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, listen, I, I'm looking back, I'm thinking- I, I know for you, time is, is just a concept because you've just been living so long. I, I, I know, I'm sorry, man, but just <laughs> see, see but, but honestly, how would you say some tips students should proceed with generating that narrative because i mean obviously they let's be honest here they, they you, you you've probably seen a lot of portfolios where they use the same mm -hmm. token uh you know googled up png people like there's the right. same dudes always in every single rendering right that right. same lady with that weird trench coat um mm -hmm. we, we find stuff where it's like arbitrarily uh someone threw a ferrari into like yeah. you know public yeah, housing yeah, or something sure. uh so, yeah. so so tell us how about this how do you how do you establish a narrative well, first of all, it's about knowing what the project is. Um, and I would say for a student, that's the most important part before any renderings and even drawings come up. It's like, what is your thesis of this project? Um, and understanding, like for us, if we were talking about it day to day, we have to understand our demographic. Uh, we have to understand um, our site and location. Mm -hmm. um, like what is the context around it? Uh, you know, sometimes the context isn't, you're actually trying to uh, go against the context. Like if you're trying to, you know, invigorate uh, an area, you don't actually want, you, you want to bring in different people. Or, so like there's all these different parts of it there. Um, and once you start to figure that out, then the rest should kind of fall in place. Um, it's about kind of having that simplicity of knowing what the story is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, for example, like uh, if we're doing something in Vancouver, you know, a lot of the times we're going to get uh, the client saying that it's going to be, you know, predominantly Asian. Um, and, you know, it's in an area where maybe it's currently industrial, but we want to bring in, you know, uh, young couples and, you know, or downsizers or and things like that. And, um, you know, that that would be kind of the demographic side. And then if we're talking about the visual side of it, if we were in Vancouver, um, you know, the climate is different. There's mm -hmm. the sky looks different. I, I only recently went to Vancouver last year and we've been doing renders in, for Vancouver for, for a while. And they would always want like crazy, like purple, orange, pink skies. And I was just like, that doesn't happen because we don't get them here in Toronto. But then I went over there and it, that's what it is because they're right by the water. There's different atmosphere. So you're getting like, you know. It, no, man, that purple haze is there for a specific reason there, <laughs> Terry. Let, let's be honest here. Those drum whatever circles. Is, is, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, it's real. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's, there's other parts of that storytelling that exist as well, where it's like understanding the environment that you're in. Because, you know, going back to the kind of student portfolio or a Chinese render, you can't put a palm tree in Toronto. Mm -hmm. You can't you're not going to put a Bugatti in front of public housing. So it's all of that type of stuff. And, and 
there's, you know, there's also stuff that I've seen in a lot of portfolios where, you know, they're trying to be fun. So they'll put in a celebrity or, you know, do this type of stuff. And sure, you're having fun with it. But if you really want to be serious about it, why is that person there? Are they, unless it's a fashion house or it's supposed to be a film festival, that person shouldn't be there. Mm. Um, and it just takes away from, from your image. You got to kind of look at it in terms of your story. You don't want anything to distract from the message that you're telling. Okay. Yeah. So, so just going back to that then, if I were a student then, I, I mean, I have a couple of key points that, that I recommend students undertake while they're in summer terms or not working necessarily. And one of them is, of course, if, if I had my renderings and I really want to improve them, the first thing I would recommend that people do is just show it to mom. Show it to the normie, right? Because mm -hmm. the normie audiences tend to, to go, oh, it's a condo. Oh, it's a museum. If you can't get someone to explain to you that it's a museum versus yeah, an office absolutely. tower, your, your rendering has failed, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's one, that's one tip I would recommend. Um, another tip I'd recommend is, you know, speaking to that diversity issue that you're talking about, I find that it's really uh, aggravating to find that students put lots of the same people. And, mm -hmm. and they're, they're using the same people, not because they're sharing a collective library. It's just that they all go online and get the first kind of PNGs or like TIFF, you know, with alpha channels out uh, that they can find. So I recommend that students start trying to create their own library of people like standing, yep. sitting, you know, old people, people in wheelchairs. Oh, my God. Like with the accessibility issues, you really are hard pressed to find, you know, that you know, person sitting in a wheelchair at the exactly the right angle. Like right. if you're taking a look and at, at the trim, same right? time too, there's, uh, uh, if you just dig a little deeper, there's, there's people who are releasing a lot of these things for free, like already cut out people. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have the link on me now, of course, but like Arch Daily, if you, mm -hmm. if you go on there uh, every once in a while, they're like, Hey, there's a whole free set of, of 3d people that this company is releasing. Um, and of course, even us as like a full couple, of course, we're going to grab these free, <laughs> free mm -hmm. people. And, and, you know, if they're, if they're, um, royalty free, then of course we're going to mm -hmm. start using them. Um, going along those lines that you're saying about like, you know, giving it to kind of like the, <laughs> the peasants of, <laughs> of the world. They're called normies. They're called normies. Come on, Terry, just, just call them that. Uh, and, uh, you know, looking at. Uh, you know, does it tell the story? I would also internally look at whether or not your render is telling a different story than your drawings. Mm. Like, is your, it, it, because I find that some images, you know, you could tell in a section mm -hmm. instead of trying to use like a 10 millimeter lens to try to fisheye and capture the entire space, just do a section and then do some nice vignettes of, moments of your project rather than trying to tell the entire story in right. one like use everything to your advantage us on uh, unfortunately fortunately i guess um we have to tell the story in a couple of images mm. um but the kind of beauty of of student work is that you have the full set you can you can choose moments that that kind of tell specific stories that are really the features of your, your your space rather than like showing everything at once well actually this brings up another question and i mean this could be just really short-ended by by just saying no but would you say that there like do you often deal with orthographic drawings and finding ways to make them attractive because let's be honest here a lot of normies don't know how to read plans a lot of people don't know how to read certainly an elevation yep. 
uh, let alone a section. So, I mean, are, are you often tasked, maybe not as much as renderings, but are you often tasked with generating good quality orthographic imagery? Absolutely, actually. Um, kind of every, at least commercial project requires some sort of, um, you know, rendered plan. Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're talking about a condo with like an amenity floor, mm -hmm. they want to show everything in one time. Uh, I would actually kind of brag and say that I think we have some of the best plans in, <laughs> in the industry because we, we don't treat them like, oh, it's just like an illustrator file that we color in mm -hmm. some drop shadow and some, some lines and stuff. We actually fully render it. Um, we use some techniques where it, it basically is a, a render. Um, so we still look at light coming into the space, mm -hmm. um, which actually kind of allows you to kind of look at the space in a more uh, realistic way where you kind of see all the light coming in into that entire space, not just one area. And we try to detail it in a way that is, you know, realistic as possible. So um, yeah, when it comes down to it with a lot of things, you, you, we're never trying to lie about the, um, the space. Uh, a lot of the times, sometimes we have to. Um, oh, sketchy ethical issues there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole entire, we'll do another episode about yeah. that maybe. <laughs> uh, I got stories about that too. Um, like, you, so you guys actually go out your way to render things properly. And you also say, uh, you, you, if there's a queen bed there, you don't try to make it into a twin bed to just make it look like it's a bigger space. As right? much as possible, we try not to. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there are cases, of course, where we've, we've, Hey, hey, don't say it. Don't so say it. Hey, we're being recorded, man. Don't, <laughs> Dude, don't say that. And then I hid the bodies. Yes. And <laughs> I like how all of my students always talk about hiding dead bodies. I don't know where this comes from. Um, okay, but, but let's go back to this, though. The rendering of plans, that's different. You're saying you're doing it differently than just simply doing Illustrator. Now, as an academic, though, of course, one of the things that I find is dangerous, and I think this is coming back to the earlier question about why we don't deal with uh, computers as much. Mm -hmm. is because sometimes architects, they, they, as you said, they have a different uh, skill set. They have a different priority, right, to make sure that they can design something. So they're not necessarily charged with making sure that everything's photorealistic, but I think they are charged with being able to follow basic conventions. So one of the issues that a lot of my peers have with, um, say, using computers, and they're more old school, and, and you might remember this back when I was teaching you, remember? Uh, when, when, when all the darkness started coming upon us. Um, the, 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 the challenge from a lot of faculty members were like, hey, Terry's spending too much time doing your damn computer project, Vince. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, uh, you know, I'm going to play rank and um, I'm not going to let them do this. You can't, you can't do this, right? And, and I think that, okay, that's, that's a problem. But then I also see it from an educator standpoint too, where I say, look, some of the students that right now I'm teaching, they don't know how to do line weights. Like mm -hmm. fundamental architectural graphic conventions. Like they don't know how to draw stairs because they've been making 3D models properly or right. they rely on Revit to do everything. And it's like, dude, your section still is not right. Like when you're taking a, mm -hmm. I don't know, when you're doing a sixth floor plan in Revit of a building and you're seeing the car on the ground floor, right. there's a problem. And, and the kids right. don't think that it's a problem, but they just go, well, you know what? Revit did it. So right. I think that there are some issues where rendering a plan, for example, does undermine some of the skill sets that architecture students should have. Um, and, and how would you say I, I think, that? Yeah. Go ahead. I, I think that's fair. Um, one of the things that we can't fake though in, in render, like, cause I, I'm not going to claim that I'm an expert in Revit. All I know how to do is open it and import models into 3DS. <laughs> um, but, uh, 
you know, just as the director of the biggest studio in Canada. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's Revit though. We don't use Revit to, to actually model things. So, but the thing is when we're using our, our rendering software, um, you know, I might be biased, but I find that we're actually kind of understanding the spaces more than most people. We've actually kind of flagged stuff to architects and, and developers and things like that, because when we get hold of it, because we're seeing it in, in a way that is kind of uh, objective. Mm -hmm. it's like, this is the model. And then our, our rendering engines, whichever one we use, mm -hmm. is a physically based lighting engine. Yeah. So if something is blocking it, something is blocking it. We have to actively, you know, change parameter, like physical parameters of an object in order for it to not be real. Mm. So, um, which is why, like, if we go back to the idea of a plan and stuff, I would say that you're actually kind of learning more about the plan when you're doing it in some of these 3D programs. But I can understand when it's kind of like a, a BIM software, mm -hmm. you have so many kind of options that um, it can sometimes cloud things. But in general, I would say that if you're doing it in the right way, you're, you, are, you should be learning more from those, those softwares. Um, and it's actually interesting when you were talking about like, uh, you know, the kind of uh, difference between like one, one professor who's teaching a software and then the studio project and that kind of relationship. I had a similar thing, but, you know, I ended up, uh, there's one course where we were learning Archicad, which I know. Oh, geez. Wait, you had to learn that in school? It was an, it was an elective. Um, so then what I ended up doing was just using Archicad to do my studio project. And instead of trying to like weigh out like the, what I should do, like, should I spend my time on the, like, I just used both and actually applied it to like my project. And I was done my project before because it was a tower. People were hand drawing like a condo and man, that makes you sound old. Of it. And then, so I was just like, I'll just cut a section through Archicad and then like have it done. So it's, it's about using those tools mm -hmm. effectively. Honestly, like I think there's always kind of a, a debate of like the tool when when it's really just the user. Honestly. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about the tools a little bit more because I think you have the expertise and there's such and, and before we recorded, I had mentioned that a lot of this is overwhelming, not only as an instructor. I mean, there's so many. It's like literally uh, an encyclopedia of software that uh, guys like me have to be at least familiar with so that we can dispense with it properly. Like when a kid asks me about X, Y, or Z software, mm -hmm. I should be able to say it's good for this, bad for that, right? I might not right. have used it thoroughly, but at least I got some exposure. You have work in the industry, you've worked in the industry, and you have assessed what is the best workflow for you. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that you know, without, you know, saying that this is endorsing it and, and not like you get royalties or anything, but what is, the, what is the ideal workflow? What would you suggest that students should pick up for ease of use for them? Perhaps it might be different for ease of use to enter into the marketplace. So, so right. help me out here. I would say for a student, um, it's basically whatever you can get your hands on. <laughs> um, um, totally legally, of course. Of course, uh, just, of course, just, absolutely. Yeah. It fell off a truck and <laughs> had Russian codes on it. And you're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no. So, I mean, I, I never fault a student for, you know, using whatever, like, of course I'm going to be a snob about whatever yes. software we use, but you know, if it, when it comes down to it, you should have some sort of modeling software. You should have some sort of lighting software. 
and then really for students, Photoshop. Like Photoshop is where you're going to get your work done as a student. Um, and what you should focus on, like if, if rendering isn't your, you know, your end goal, and, but you still just wanna make really good images for your, your presentations, uh, Photoshop is gonna take you that, that pretty much the 50% mm-hmm. uh, way. Like you just need to get something in the correct perspective with a good camera, maybe some basic textures, and then you're gonna Photoshop your way out of it. Now, when it comes to Photoshop, there, th- that's the part where people need to learn. Um, yep. It's about organizing your files in a way that's non-destructive. Um, if, uh, if anybody listening doesn't understand what that concept is. I've made tutorials so, for that, so they should. So kids, okay. go back to those 3M tutorials. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know, you're screwed. It, it, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it, it's about making it so that, you know, architecture and design is about iterations. So if you're setting up files that require you to break it down and recreate it every single time, mm-hmm. um, you're first of all, not going to be efficient. And second of all, you're going to lose your mind. Um, so I would recommend in terms of that workflow, you know, learning how to use groups, using uh, adjustment layers instead of just purely mm-hmm. adjustments, all those type of things, smart objects, yep. um, all of that type of stuff so that you can be really efficient. And it's not really about um, realism uh, per se, uh, but it is about, uh, again, going back to a strong process. But within that kind of idea of doing like kind of Photoshop and collage and whatever it may be um, mm-hmm. that you need to get done for your project, I would still say, even though it's not photorealistic, it still needs to be based in reality. You know, uh, well, just elaborate on that. Your people need to be in scale. Your mm-hmm. floors need to make sense. Your windows should have mullions on them. Like if, even if you're doing a very ephemeral kind of, you know, Scandinavian looking rendering where it's just like white on snow, <laughs> whatever you, you want to make sure that if you are going to go that route, everything else that's in place doesn't detract from that. Okay. So that if a person's out of scale or a car's going in the wrong direction, that's not going to take away from the story that you're telling. Um, so I would say that that's a, a, a huge part of it is just mm-hmm. making sure that even though you're doing something that is maybe a little bit more conceptual, you still need to plant yourself in some sort of reality just so that your viewer can understand it. So, so that's a really good um, tip there because I think that a lot of students think that it's either one way or the other, either it's super conceptual where like buildings float or yeah. it's super practical where I have to do the wall sections and showcase like, do I 3D model my bad insulation? Like that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so I get that. But then the other tip that I want to get on is right now we're facing deadline. Okay. Uh-huh. And not only is everybody's grandparent allegedly dying right now so that they can uh-huh. get an extension, but we hear a lot of sob stories at the last minute because God knows architects are hated by God and by computers. So computers <laughs> will purposely choke out and stuff. So, you know, and, you're and talking plotters, about and yeah, and plotters and pr- yeah. <laughs> but no one plots and prints anymore. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the, the thing that I'm going to get at is, you know, a lot of kids have, last minute crises when it comes to my computer crashed, my backup files no longer exist. I mean, you deal with this at a daily level. Yep. You make sure that your currency, your, your job, millions of dollars is based on these files. 
Yeah. What suggestion would you have for students, especially at this point in time? You know, you, you already talked about saving different versions, you know, having yeah. like once you start having smart objects in Photoshop and you have all the adjustable, the, the file sizes blow up, right? Mm -hmm. Especially at a decent resolution. So, you know, what would you recommend for a, a safe workflow so that I don't have to administer a 50% penalty or something? Um, it's easier said than done, um, but it's, it is just about planning. It's about like being being proactive about all of this, like doing every, I'm going back to process again. It is about going step by step. What happens, uh, worst case scenarios is that you have to start from scratch from <laughs> the day before and, and you're, you're doing it all at once. And in those situations, you're most likely not to save because you're panicking. Um, and you know, uh, you can try to, you know, the, the technical side of it, yes, is to set up all your auto backs, you know, save it onto another, on a, on a USB from time to time, just so you have like a physical copy of it in some way in case your, your power supply blows out. Um, but when it comes to kind of day to day, it's about building things up slowly rather than relying on this one moment for everything to work out mm. so that, you know, when, when we do stuff, we do three previews um, before we send out the final image. Our first one is very, very basic. But after that point, we're actually trying to get to the final. Like okay. our second preview, you know, because in the, in the ideal world, which has happened maybe once or twice, <laughs> is, is that they're like, this is great. Let's call it. You know, <laughs> this is, uh, you know it, it's happened rarely, but it does happen. And, and that's our goal, actually. Our goal isn't to stretch this out as long as possible. Our goal is to get it done right then. But then having those contingencies where your second preview just requires a little bit of tweaking and in case you've lost your third preview, mm -hmm. you should be okay. So again, going back to a strong process where um, you're able to work with your backups. Ah, yeah. You know? Okay. So, so let's go back to the process though too, because you know you talked about previewing things and, and certainly that's the image, but let's talk about that software bit because mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of uh, the software that's coming out, everything from Twinmotion, Lumion, Enscape. Mm -hmm. these, are, these are programs which don't necessarily just have a VR component to them, but they also allow students to navigate literally like a game engine, right? Through yep. and inside a building, really preview things pretty much live, right? Mm -hmm. What's your perspective on these things? Um, I think they're great as a design tool um, mm -hmm. for uh, I'm not really going to speak to it as like a, a commercial tool because we're dealing with people who just can't understand that. <laughs> like it's been <laughs> actually quite hard to get that onto the actual market. Mm -hmm. um, but I think as a design tool, I think it's absolutely great um, and will actually make people understand their spaces more because I think that's still one of the biggest things that I still see, you know, full-on architects still not understanding their space. Like I was saying, like sometimes we're just like, I don't think that actually works. Mm. And we have to kind of ask these questions and then they kind of get resolved in that. So the more that people can understand their spaces in 3D and in scale, mm -hmm. um, because you know, even for me, when I've just kind of like sketched things out on, on a perspective or on a plan, you think a chair is this big, <laughs> mm. but it's not like a, you know, like it's all these things that our brain is kind of making up. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally all for it. We've done, uh, we have a couple of people on our team doing unreal kind of R and D, mm -hmm. um, and it's been great. Uh, so yeah, if, if people can 
use it and become better designers for it, I'm all for it. Well, let's talk about the technologies though, because I think that we're seeing not only the VR side of things, but I know that even almost a decade ago when Norm, you know, the company was coming out with AR stuff. I mean, there's a whole bunch of new technologies uh, referencing this great, you know, portfolio of tools to showcase Mm -hmm. ideas, both virtually, you know, conventional static imagery. So, so what's your perspective on these? Are they a uh, flash in the pan? Are they things that you see getting greater adoption? Like, I mean, VR has been around for decades now. And, and yeah. even now, it, it, it still seems like it's an esoteric thing, right? So, so I mean, what would you say so about these? So I would say, like, all of these things in practice would be great. What we're finding a lot of the times is, is with these technologies, the people who are investing in them, don't necessarily need it or, or don't understand it per se. Um, and also the usability of it for, you know, at least my generation, um, we, we're going to be okay with VR because we understand video games. Right. Like conceptually, we've, it's part of who we are. Um, like I, if, if you give me the Oculus, even though I don't have my own, we have one at the office, but mm-hmm. once you put those controllers in my hand, I know how to use the D-pad. I know mm-hmm. how to, like, I'm not Drop a shots and you're looking I for know, the health. And, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I find red barrels and try to shoot them, but like, <laughs> it, it's, it, I think there's a, there's a kind of generational gap that, that is, exists right now. And um, I mean, that's just kind of the, the reality of it. I mean, one of the interesting things right now is that VR might be coming back, I guess, because people can't go see their buildings right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it, it depends on what the market demands, which okay. is kind of like the, the kind of lame way of putting it, but um, it, it really comes down to whether or not people see use for it. There's some things where the technology not hasn't necessarily caught up to what we expect it to be. That would mm-hmm. probably be like, you know, AR, XR type stuff yep. where in our minds, we're like, you take your camera and then you see your building there. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, hypothetically, yes, that would be awesome, but it's never quite there. The uncanny valley is not even close. Like it's just wrong. Like, you know, you can't block out the buildings in front mm-hmm. of it. There's all these type of things. I mean, what we've seen uh, being uh, somewhat successful is kind of like uh, seeing a model on a table kind yep. of thing. Um, but you know, it, it really just depends on on what the what people want. Hmm. So I'm I'm going to delve in a little bit more and push back on that because we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of. Uh, let's say, for example, AR, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great technology. And, and even I've done some research and, and work on that. But the, the reality is that, no pun intended, the, the reality is that we've seen far more AR push through and R&D on stupid things. And, and I would say stupid things like, you know, not to say that Instagram or uh, yeah. Snapchat are bad, but, you know, you, you see such high levels of AR fidelity. Like, I mean, to be able to track your iris or to be able to track, you know, certain facial features and, and, and you know, overlay mapping real time on that. That, that's pretty impressive. And yet we haven't really seen that pushed out in the you know, AEC industry, which to me is, is astounding, given that it's such a huge industry. Well, I would say um, the architecture and design industry is generally a, if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mm. industry, whereas you know, tech and social is the complete opposite. It's like, what is, everything is broken and we need to fix it. Hmm. Um, so 
when it comes to these other things, like, you know, it's been a, you know, I, I think Norm can speak to it more, but I'm, I'm quite sure it was a struggle just to get 3D renderings onto the market at the oh, time. Oh, yes. I remember back in the day. Yeah. You know, why, why am I going to pay this? And it doesn't look as good as a watercolor and all this type of stuff. And, you know, we're, we're like 10, 15 years into it now. And then, you know, fine. It's almost like finally now architectural visualization has caught on. Mm -hmm. um, it's taken that long. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it, the industry itself needs to kind of uh, be more adaptive in order to embrace it. And then, you know, once the demand is there, then the technology will grow with it. Yeah, I would agree. We're seeing a lot of that happening left, right, and center for not just visualization, but even just AEC practice, like construction and everything else. So let's get to another thing. A lot of students are, as you know, have been interested in working in your firm. Yeah. And I think maybe, maybe you can speak in generalities too. I mean, I don't want to go like, you have to have this to work for normally, but, <laughs> right. um, but what would you say are some real essential skills that an up and coming really a student that's really interested in ArcViz, right? As you said, there's not very many institutions uh, in right. North America that allow for that. And certainly they want to bone up on, on that skill set. How would, what, what tips would you recommend for them to work within uh, the ArcViz industry? Um, uh, I've been saying it a lot, but like, if you truly are interested in it, you'll know, first of all, like, you'll, it's like you're talking about love or like Tinder. Or what are we talking about, man? Yeah. 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 It, you'll feel it in your heart. <laughs> um, I thought I taught like, you better. There is no love in architecture. What? what? <laughs> That's why I'm not in architecture. Oh yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Full of love. Um, the, uh, no, like well, you'll, I mean, for the most part, like I would say everybody at our, our company and stuff like that, they realize that this really was their passion. And if you truly are passionate about it, you will learn the right things. Like you'll ask the right questions and you'll get into it. Uh, one of the most frustrating things that I, I get is people who've come to me multiple times where I've said, okay, you need to learn 3ds max and you need to, you know, either V-Ray or the unfortunately named Corona render. Uh, which is kind of the, the, the newer one that, that we've been using. You need to learn those two. You got to be good at Photoshop if you really want to, you know, set yourself apart. And mm -hmm. then they'll come back to me and just like, I learned Maxwell and I learned uh, Twin Motion and mm -hmm. all this. And I'm like, sure, okay. Then I'm going to hire the guy who learned 3ds max and corona um, oh, who did the stuff i asked him to or, do. Or, yeah yeah and it's not about like asking either like well first of all you ask me and i you know this is what we use also if you go onto any of these forums um mm -hmm. you know cg architect ronan beckerman this is consistently the software that people are using so if you want to be part of the industry you need to learn the industry standard okay. um, if you truly want to set yourself apart because not only are students competing with other students, you are still competing with people who have been in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why I would hire a, a student is because most of the time they're local and they have much more architectural knowledge. Um, so that's where your upper hand is, but then you have to put in the work to kind of get the, your, your foot in the door and show that hey, you don't need to be an expert but you need to know where like the buttons are <laughs> and you yeah. need to know, like I can, I can model a building. I'm not great at lighting and materials, but if you know, we can, we can train that into people. Um, so, you know, that, that's been definitely something that I've been trying to get across to a lot of people. And, and 
especially for architectural rendering and also during, especially now, mm-hmm. it's one of the only architectural or design kind of related professions where you can just practice and get better. Mm. Like it's, it, you know, you can actually hone your skills. You can learn at home. There's plenty of like Lindo courses mm-hmm. and all this type of stuff about it. You know, if you wanted to get into construction management, you have to get a construction management job. You can't just sit at home and like kind of, you know, play around and <laughs> pretend like you're, cons- but in rendering, you can, you know, a lot of people have learned that way um, just by, you know, really honing their skills, you know, finding a photo and going like, I'm going to make this in V-Ray or I'm going to make that, you know, just doing something like that. And, you know, that shows to us that, you know, you've taken the time and you really want to do this what we really, you know, kind of, you know, it goes in the, the kind of bin is when it's like, someone's like, I'm kind of thinking about doing this and I don't know whether or not I like rendering. And, you know, like, so like, you know, I, I want someone who is passionate invested. This yeah. and invested because, you know, we, we really train people up. Right. Mm-hmm. And for someone to just kind of like, realize that they're not into it is kind of a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see that all the time too, but now, now just while we're talking about the industry, I know that um, we don't want to get into specifics, but I know that uh, right now with the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. and we were talking about, you know, Corona and COVID uh, I'm seeing a lot of situations where uh, architecture firms, where their projects were literally the shovel was in the ground or, or they're in the middle of construction, they had to get halted. Uh, construction is no longer an essential service. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that architecture offices have been cutting hours left, right, and center. Uh, it, it, and, and of course, with the pandemic announcements daily, we were finding out that it's going to go for a little bit longer at the yeah. very least, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's clearly impacting conventional architecture firms. The, so this pandemic's really been doing a lot of fun stuff. Uh, but, but some firms, uh, they, they are dealing with a lot of projects that are still in concept or being developed. So they're still able to turn away and get things on. And I know that there's and everything on the spectrum from like full on firms that are furloughing and laying off people all the way to people are firms that are just kind of maintaining status quo because guess what? Their projects are still at a very yeah. early stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for your kind of, not your firm, but your industry, you're dealing with two extremes. You're dealing with A, the concept you know, development to kind of yep. win the prizes, uh, win the awards of, of projects. But then at the other end of the extreme, you're looking at trying to get people to buy in, like, you know, what's a condo or whether it's like getting, um, you know, a, a community to invest in a museum or what have you, right? So you're right. seeing two extremes being put out there. Mm-hmm. Is, 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 is you, are you seeing the pandemic impacting the archivist industry in a certain way? Um, what I'm seeing uh, kind of at a high level, and I can't speak for firms themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely seeing that uh, freelancers are, are suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, smaller companies are, are not doing as great. And especially a lot of the, the firms that were um, based out of, there were quite a few firms that were based out of Italy. So of course those mm-hmm. are, are having a hard time. Um, but overall, again, I would say Archviz is an industry that can happen remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, Luckily, we are a, a completely digital, you know, industry. So, uh, you know, our firm has continued to work in, from home. We, luckily, we were already prepared to work from home just in general, um, because it's kind of just part of our ethos that, you know, if you have to stay at home or, you know, if 
you know, you have kids or, or wait, wait, I thought I taught you better than this. I thought I taught you to crack the whip and you know, <laughs> what, what, the, what the hell is this work hard, uh, play hard. What the hell, man? You can soft uh, I, on me, Terry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up. <laughs> hey, hey, shut up, man. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were prepared. Um, luckily and so like the aside from some like bandwidth hiccups that happened in the first couple of weeks mm-hmm. we were up and running um uh, pretty soon we we had some learning curves of not having uh experienced so many people working at the same time remotely mm-hmm. um so you know we're we're starting to feel better about all that type of stuff but yeah in general right now uh again not speaking for other uh firms or anything like that but business so far has been usual mm-hmm. um but uh when we were talking on 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 email about you know hiring and, and things like that uh the one thing that i've stopped doing and and essentially my job in terms of hiring is stopped hiring because it would be a disservice to whoever knew coming in to be onboarded in this type of environment yeah. so that's definitely been a stumbling block um in terms of of this whole entire situation. We have had projects, of course, um, go on hold or be delayed and things like that. But uh, so far, so good. Not okay. So, so I just want to clarify to the students that are listening. Uh, do you want to reiterate what you said in that email when you when I said, "Oh man, just when we were about to get, we <laughs> so, were about yeah, to get we, a co-op student there." We've historically um, uh, hired Waterloo co-op students just because we're all kind of ex Waterloo and we we knew what the system was like and all that. And I'm shaking my head right now. Just to, if anyone's listening, <laughs> we've we've tried for years to 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 hire uh, like get a partnership with with you guys to, to hire a co-op student. And this was the year, this was the year that we were just like, okay, I think things are falling into place. It's a good year to do it. And then, um, and then, yeah, a plague happened. <laughs> and then do you remember, do you remember what you actually said in the email? Uh, just when we were about to combine our powers. Uh, oh yeah. I think it's because we would be too powerful. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Join so. me and together we can. Do- <laughs> uh, and yeah. Anyways, okay, so so let's let let's finish off on a happy note here. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen a lot of bad renders, and, and yes. I mean both in portfolios as well as in general in, in the whole entire industry. You've seen you've probably seen some stuff posted up, and you're like, how the hell did that firm decide to put that out as a render, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and and I mean, because if you can describe a couple of tragedies, then I mean, my students and I we can look it up and just find it. But I mean, tell us an example of a bad render and how like it's a notable one and just tell us how, how it's so bad and what we can learn from it. I mean, I can't, I, it's funny though. Cause we actually, during all of this, we actually moved our office as well, which was crazy. Um, but you know, we found some old portfolios hiding in some cabinets and things like that. And I can honestly say that some of our older work is in that category just cause we just, you know, didn't know what we were doing and didn't really have an eye for some things. Um, to be honest, you know, even though I was kind of prepped for this question, I couldn't really think of anything that was like completely horrible, but I can tell you some stories of what I've heard from from other people who have um, like asked, uh, you know, some other fir- firms to, to do stuff overseas okay. and things where um, one guy was saying that he, he sent over a rendering over to China and was just like, okay, this bottom part, the podium is supposed to be a Canadian tire. And then, so the preview comes back and it's just a shop full of tires. 
And then nice. he's just like, he's like, okay, you know what? My bad. Very regional. Um, here are some pictures of Canadian Tire. This is what it's supposed to be. The next preview comes in and it's a toy store. What 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 Canadian Tire <laughs> imagery did he send? I don't know. And then and then so he basically had to go through maybe like one or two more rounds of this before it came back as a Canadian Tire. Um, you know, I've seen plenty of renderings in people's offices of stuff that's in Toronto that has the palm trees that has the Ferrari and, and Lamborghinis in front like I think those are kind of like the the, the biggest crimes although actually now not so we actually do a um, a test uh, like when we when we're looking for prospective uh, hires mm -hmm. um, we usually don't get students and things like that do that but like if we're looking for someone who's like going to be a senior or an intermediate artist mm -hmm. or something um and i got one that came in where they i looked at the final render and i was just like this is just all off like it looks like it's supposed to be daytime but everything's blue so it's supposed to be night and it's just like everything is off and then they also provide their photoshop files and it turns out I was right. They rendered it as like an overcast day shot mm -hmm. and then tried to turn it into a dusk shot. Ooh. And so everything just was like completely off. Like the funny thing was that original overcast day shot, you could have just Photoshopped that and it would have been like kind of a cool, mm -hmm. you know, kind of uh, European looking render, but just just wrong direction there. Like just- So it looked like the Vincent Van Gogh filter kind of ran through it or something? Yeah, like Starry Night on top of it. But Ooh. yeah, like I, I find that a lot of, uh, you know, bad renders actually started off good, you know? And it was like, it was just like the layering and Photoshopping and everything that goes on top of it that ends up, you know, ruining the image. A lot of the times, most people's instincts are actually pretty good. And then what happens actually, I think they look at, those other renderings that they see on the market and then try to copy those. And then it becomes a headache, um, which actually brings me to one point for your students that I've always said, um, if you are gonna do a render, find a photo, like a nice photo, like from Arch Daily or Dezine or whatever, and, and try to match that lighting. Mm -hmm. Like use a real world reference. Don't, at least in the beginning stages of, of learning how to render, don't use another render as your reference because you're photocopying a photocopy and mm. it's just going to keep on looking less and less realistic because our a render itself unless it's very very good still has that little bit of like i think Artifice. that's a render yeah so like find really nice photography like there's so many people out there that are doing like great great photos so use that you know also like a lot of the times those images will already have that story that you want to tell Mm -hmm. And then like try to basically just copy it. That's what, you know, learning architecture is, is just cribbing people to be honest. Uh, okay. Okay. Dude, dude, what, that's a wrong damn message. We were, we were on a good hot like, streak and, and then, then you start just, like mirror it. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm going to tell you a little story of the worst renderings I've seen. Um, but, yeah. uh, and this actually does deal with uh, academic integrity violations where <laughs> a, a kid actually does do this like render, and again, it was a garbage render to begin with, right? But right. the kid made the model. Okay, it starts off with the basics. The kid made a model, walls have no thickness. So it's literally like a paper box. Right. So, you know, and then the rendering was like baseline, just like all white and gray matte, clay-based matte rendering, right? So she got mm -hmm. the ambient light and stuff. But the wall, like she's looking out the window and you can see that there's no thickness to the actual wall. There's no yeah. sill, nothing, right? And then of course, she then proceeded to add mapping to it 
and uh, like she proceeds to put like it's a board form concrete like in situ mm -hmm. wall right and you're like right. wait what but it's got again no thickness right mm -hmm. and and of course part of the assignment was that she had to also uh, do a wall section because it's like first year they got to make sure they know how the buildings put together so then yeah. she proceeds to include a, a section from a, a a current steel art gallery <laughs> so so there's like there's like steel structure and then there's like a catwalk and stuff and you're like what what, what the hell is this right and then of course she gets the grade for again i'm not i'm just a studio in, uh, coordinator right so the instructor actually gives her an f-bomb because it's such a garbage project right and then right. she submits it to me to get regraded i look at it and i'm like wait i know that steel stuff right because you know did I, did I teach you construction building construction back in the day no i think we just did uh visualization Visual, okay yeah. so I, I i was like i know the steel i know the steel stuff right and go, lo and behold she was copying out of stuff on the internet, right? So right. I, I said, okay, I'm gonna reassess your project, but also I'm also citing you for uh, <laughs> academic integrity issues. Right. Um, whereupon she, she then submits a human rights appeal, um, or uh, sorry, a, a basically a human rights complaint that I am uh, biased against her because I am busting her uh, of being a basically plagiarism because Vince Hui right. has a problem with people who plagiarize. Like I, I'm, I'm, I got this thing against people who plagiarize. <laughs> Um, so it's just funny how monster. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. So it's, it's just funny how these kind of stories come out, and you're like, it all started with a garbage rendering, and it's well, kind of actually cascaded. that that did kind of uh, remind me of. Uh, oh, there we, we go. Actually, we no, we got we got a portfolio from someone who actually like contacted Norm directly, and his portfolio had our renders in it. No way. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, how, kids don't do that. How dumb could, like, you know what? I, I see that happening in, in school. Like I, I, we've had yeah. kids that like, literally, I swear to God, a kid takes, um, let's say a, 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 an art gallery, right? And they go and take images of an art gallery from Art Daily and they just run it through like a watercolor filter in Photoshop yeah. and they present that as a studio project. And you're like, what, d seriously? Well, at least they changed it. <laughs> this <laughs> person straight up put our renders in their portfolio and sent it to us asking for a job. Wow, that is yeah. ballsy, man. Yeah, yeah. So in any event, I've taken a lot of your time. I know that you're no pretty busy in charge of studios, but I, I just first off want to say thank you. Uh, it's been very informative. And you guys want to take a look uh, at some of the work, you could, you, the website will be in the show notes. Uh, is there any other website that we should be directing students? Uh, I mean, just follow us on Instagram. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll also send- What is the handle for Instagram? Uh, Norman, gang? Norman the gang, yeah, um, uh, yeah, and then I, I can also maybe send you guys some links to like uh, some of the stuff that I've actually put in my presentations um, in terms of like choosing a camera, making sure your perspective is correct. There's this one guy who does just like when I do presentations, I just use his images because mm -hmm. he's he's laid it out so perfectly in terms of composition. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that'd be good, but. Um, Otherwise, th thank you for, for inviting me. Uh, I'd be more than happy to, to <laughs> talk about horror stories another time as well. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get your book back for that stuff too, okay, man? And certainly, guys, uh, Terry's been giving talks uh, in and around our department every so often. So uh, this is only a taste of what he can do. Wait till the pandemic's over because I'm going to bring his butt back down so that you can actually, you can meet him face to face, okay? All right. So thank you again, Terry, and we'll see you around. Yeah, thanks.